Hallelujah. Everybody have good Christmas holidays? Well, guess what? Since I saw you last, I'm older. December the 24th, I turned 77. And uh, my goodness, my 2024 is going to be awesome. Because seven is the number of completion, perfection, spiritual growth, hallelujah, along with the prophetic word we've received, progression, advancement, promotion, highest expectations being fulfilled. Man, I wish you were 77. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. We welcome everyone here this morning and all that are watching by live stream and those of you that are watching at a later date on YouTube. Isn't it amazing how many people you can reach right here in Crowley, Texas? Praise God. It's just awesome. Open your Bibles first of all this morning to 2 Peter. I actually thought I was going to be out of town, but then I looked at my schedule and thought, well, my goodness, I'm still here. So I called Justin. I said, may I preach this morning? Hallelujah. And he graciously agreed. Praise God. Amen. So I have some things that I want to share with you that I believe will be helpful as we enter into this new year. Tomorrow begins 2024. Amen. Praise God. Second Peter chapter one, and I want to begin reading with verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance always of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yeah, I think it is meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now notice here, the apostle Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling the people that he's writing to, the believers here, that it's important that we continue to be stirred up about the truths that we've already heard and learned. You never let go of the basics. Never let go of the basics. You build on the basics. Amen. Uh, Carolyn's dad was a, a house builder. And uh, I, I worked with him one summer while, before she and I got married and, uh, when I came home from college. And I didn't know anything about working on houses. I worked on cars. And so he asked me to come and help him. I said, well, I, you'll have to tell me everything to do. I don't know one thing about building houses. So he was getting ready to build some new houses. And he put a sledgehammer in my hand and had me to drive stakes to set the forms for the foundation. Man, by the time at the end of the day came, I had to peel my hands off of that sledgehammer. I think I left some skin on the handle. And, uh, and so the next day they poured the slab. And then the next day when we came out, or later that day, when, I can't remember one, one or the other, probably the next day, uh, we, we took away the forms. And uh, then they began to build the house. But notice they didn't destroy the foundation to start building the house. You build the house on the foundation. That's what the word of God is designed to do, to create a foundation that you build upon. 
Now I've been building on this foundation that began in my life 54 years ago. Come February, be 55 years. And I began building this foundation on the basic principles of the life of faith. And of course, uh, the people that were responsible for helping me build that foundation began with Kenneth Copeland. And then through his ministry, I learned about Kenneth Hagin. And of course, I already knew about Oral Roberts and, uh, and then later T.L. Osborne. They became my four mentors. And so uh, in those early days, I mean, if you remember reel-to-reel tapes, anybody go back that far? And uh, I would get those reel-to-reel tapes there was a lady that was in Brother Copeland's meeting along with Carolyn that first time he came to Shreveport. And I didn't go to the meetings, uh, but the lady, uh, the last night I did go, and that's the night it changed my life. And a friend of Carolyn's had recorded all of those messages. Uh, he was there for a week, three services a day. That's 21 messages. And she'd recorded them on reel-to-reel tapes and brought them to me and said, the Lord told me to bring these to you, and if you'll listen to them, they'll change your life. And so I, I uh, eventually was able to shut my business down and, 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 and go to our guest bedroom and start studying those tapes, the material on those tapes. And it was basic fundamental truths about the life of faith. And once I began listening to them, I couldn't get enough. And I listened to them over and over and over and over. And, uh, and throughout his messages, Brother Copeland's messages, he'd refer to Kenneth Hagin. He said he learned a lot about faith from Kenneth Hagin. And uh, so we got a little card in the mail one day that said Kenneth Hagin was going to be in Tyler, Texas. It's about 100 miles from our home. And uh, I said, Carolyn, this is the man that, that Brother Copeland refers to all the time. If he listens to him and he learned about faith from him, we need to listen to him. So we drove to Tyler, Texas. And it's another story involved in that, but I won't take the time to tell you. But anyway, that was our first encounter with Kenneth Hagin. And uh, he preached from Mark the 11th chapter, 23rd and 24th verse. And uh, continued to lay that foundation. And then, of course, Brother Roberts in those days had a primetime special on television. And he would bring celebrities in. Uh, to, to, to bring in a secular audience and then he would preach on the fundamentals of faith. And so uh, these three men became my mentors and, and I couldn't get enough. Uh, I, I would just get so full and now I needed an outlet. You know, you get so full of the word, you got to tell somebody. And so nobody's inviting me to come. Nobody knew I existed, you know, uh, just a handful of people believed I was called. And so I said, well, Lord, what do I do now? And he said, take it to the streets of your city. So I started as a street evangelist and began preaching. This is 1969 to drug addicts, prostitutes, alcoholics, you know, and, and the police department had me going to the jail. Eventually I was going to prisons and uh, I was not going to prison. I was preaching to them. Okay. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, and, and the more I learned, the more I was able to share with others. And God was using me in a big way. And then uh, Brother Copeland came back a second visit. And uh, uh, he, he said to me while he was there that he had met a man out in California that was a 
landscape architect, a successful businessman, and he had Bible studies in his home, and he had over a hundred young men and women that he had led to the Lord who had been on drugs and been involved in all kind of wild things. And he said, the Lord told me to send you out there and uh, for him to teach you about winning people to the Lord one-on-one. You're already doing it, but I think he'll take you to another level. And he said, uh, you go and you stay as long as you believe the Lord wants you to stay and I will underwrite the cost of it. So went out there and uh, we went to Pismo Beach. 112, 113 of us went to Pismo Beach and invaded 144,000 hippies that were having drug parties and dune buggy races on the, on the beach there in Pismo. And uh, it was a life-changing experience. In fact, the movie, The Jesus Revolution, it came out not too long ago, it portrayed what was going on there. I was there when all that was happening. I'm not in the movie, but I was there when all of that was taking place. And uh, I stayed there for, I believe it was 12 or 13 days. And then I came home and I brought everything I learned from Dave Malkin, the man that Brother Copeland sent me to, to learn from. I brought all of that home to Shreveport and took it to our church and then began to, to have the same kind of results, even though we didn't have a beach in Shreveport, but we were having the same kind of results. The hippies getting saved, the drug addicts getting saved. And uh, then eventually I came to Fort Worth and Brother Harold Nichols at Grace Temple, he became my pastor and he wanted me to bring it to Grace Temple. So I set up uh, sessions where I taught the young people and we set up stations all over Fort Worth and we had the same thing happening in Fort Worth that we were having happen in Shreveport and in California, praise God. So uh, the more you give out, you know, the more you learn, the more you receive. You give and it shall be given unto you. And, and I never got to the place where I thought, and I still haven't got to the place where I thought I've already learned enough. I don't need to study anymore. I don't need to listen to anybody else preach anymore. I already know enough. I've never been that way. I will never allow myself to be that way. I'm still learning. The word of God is inexhaustible. You've heard me say that many times before. Just by the time you think you know something, go get in the book again and just let the Holy Spirit open unto you new insight, new revelation. But he'll never tell you, uh, you can let go of all those basic principles now. You're ready for something new. He will always build on the basics. Can you say amen? He will always build on the basics. Now that's what the Lord impressed upon me over the last few days that as we are entering into this new year, even though, as Peter said, you know these things, some of you are established in them, some of you is working for and has been working for, but the Lord encouraged me or impressed upon me to go over them again as we enter into this 2024, this new year, so that this new year will be what could possibly be the best year you've ever had since you've been a believer, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Each year, each year, my year gets better and better and better. Hallelujah. And I'm expecting no less in 2024. And the Lord's already given us this word, a year of progression, advancement, uh, promotion, highest expectations shall be fulfilled. 
Did all of you get one of these cards yet? All right. Everybody have one of these cards? Take it with you. Don't leave it on the seat. Take it with you. Keep it before you. Write the vision, the Bible says. Make it plain so he that reads it can run with it. Or in other words, it will motivate them and keep them on target and single-minded. Amen. So once again, let me read this from the message translation. Because the stakes are high, even though you are up to date on all this truth and practice it inside and out, I'm not going to let up for a minute, keeping you alert with frequent reminders. Notice the stakes are high. There's never been a time since I've been a believer that the word of God in our lives in abundance is more important than it is right now. Amen. Don't ever back off from the word of God. Once again, don't ever think you know enough. Just stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word. Don't ever, don't ever get to the place where you are satisfied with the knowledge that you already have. Enjoy what you know, keep acting on it, but always seek the Lord for more insight. Amen. The Passion Translation says, I won't hesitate to continually remind you of these truths, even though you are aware of them. So once again, I've been impressed of the Lord to take this time this morning to go over some basic principles of the life of faith to prepare you to enter into this new year. And once again, even though you might know them, it never hurts to hear them again. Keep yourself stirred up by them. Somebody say this. Preach it, Brother Jerry. We're ready to hear it. We're ready to receive it. And we're prepared to do it. Amen. Well, thank you. I appreciate you asking me to do that. Okay. Now, let's open our Bibles to the 11th chapter of Mark. That's a good place to start with the basics. And here's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Three very basic principles that I learned way back there that I have been appropriating all these years and they have worked for me and they continue to work for me and I will continue to apply them. Why? Because if it works, don't fix it. Amen. Amen. So three basic principles I want to talk to you about this morning and we'll, we'll go through them in the scripture, but write this down. Number one, decide. Number two, decree. And number three, disperse. Number one, decide. Number two, decree. And number three, disperse. Three basic principles that guarantee, if you consistently apply them, guarantee you to have a very, very successful year. So how many of you are ready to experience a successful year? Now, I have another question for you. How many of you are really expecting a successful new year? There's a difference in wanting a a successful year and expecting a successful year. Can you say amen? Amen. To want is, is to, another word is often used as to wish. Uh, uh, Another meaning of the word want is to long for. But there's a difference in wanting wishing and longing for and expecting. Let me give you a definition of expecting. 
To expect is to look forward to with reason to believe that it will happen. To look forward to with reason to believe that it will happen. Now, what gives us the reason to believe that it will happen? God's word. Amen. Amen. God's word. God is not a man that he should lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Amen. Amen. I base everything I do on what I find in his word because that's, that's the foundation or that's what I refer to as a sure foundation. Amen. Amen. I don't just, I don't just blare out of my mouth, you know, just saying things that I have no foundation for. You know, I remember back when we first began to learn these principles and people would say, well, you know, brother, brother Copeland, brother Hagen said, you can have what you say. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to have a million dollars. Well, what basis do you have for saying that? You may want a million dollars. I mean, who wouldn't want a million dollars? Of course, a million dollars in 1969, that'd be a whole lot today, amen? It was a whole lot then, but even more now. And people would go around just saying things. You know, well, he said we have what we say. Fred Price preached a very, very famous sermon presumption, foolishness, amen. And he was talking about how people just, just get foolish with these faith principles, presume things that God didn't say. And if God didn't tell you that you're going to have a million dollars, then you really don't have a firm foundation for it. Not only that, but when it looks like it's not happening, you'll give up. But when you have the word of God, for what you're speaking, amen, then you have this firm foundation and you're not likely to give up until it comes to pass. Amen. So we don't just go around blurting things out of our mouth that we have no foundation for. So notice the 11th chapter of Mark. Very famous chapter on the subject of faith. Jesus speaking. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now I want you to notice there's a difference between desire and believe. And desire only will not produce it. It's desire and believe. Amen. Amen. Desire and believe. Uh, Desire alone, according to this verse, is not going to produce it. It's when you believe that you receive it, that you shall have it. Now, let's define believe. To believe is to have a firm persuasion. A firm persuasion. To have certainty. To have complete confidence in something coming to pass. I'll say it again. To believe is to have a firm persuasion, to have certainty, to have complete confidence in something coming to pass. Jesus said in Matthew chapter eight, verse 13, as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. As you have believed, not as you have desired, 
as you have believed, so be it unto thee. The message translation says, what you believe could happen has happened. What you believed could happen has happened. So let's remember that our believing has to be based on what God has promised in his word. So if you're not in the word, then it's not likely you're going to know what God has promised. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So it's important that we be in the word so that we know what God promised so that we have a foundation for what we're believing for. If God says we can have something, then as far as I'm concerned, that settles it. Amen. I don't have to have somebody give me a word. I don't have to have some prophet come along and say, thus saith the Lord. No, if I see it in the word that God says I can have it, that settles it for me. I don't need anybody else's thoughts or opinion about it. Amen. That settles it. Now, believing, our believing is based on what God has promised, such as Psalm 145. Go there with me. Psalm 145. As an example, Mm -hmm. verse 18 and 19. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will, not he might, not he maybe, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Now the word fear here implies reverential fear or a godly fear, it's showing respect for who he is and what he says, okay? That's, that's the fear of God that's referred here. Now, it's, it's, it's also possessing a deep conviction of the reality that it's impossible for God to lie. The Passion Translation says, every godly one receives even more than what they ask for. Every godly one receives more than even what they ask for. And the reason being is because the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. He's the God who is more than enough. Can you say amen? Amen. Now see, just, just those two scriptures alone are building a foundation for me believing that God will do something for me. Amen. He will fulfill my desire. And he's the God who's able to do exceeding abundant above all that I can ask or think. Hallelujah. So notice as I'm searching the scriptures, I'm building a foundation. Let's say that Psalm 145 is one brick. And Ephesians 3.20 is another brick and another brick and another brick and another brick and another brick. And in a few moments, I'm going to wind up building a wall, hallelujah, that Satan cannot penetrate. Brick by brick by brick, scripture by scripture by scripture, promise by promise by promise. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Amen. Now, the message translation says he's able to do far more than you could ever imagine. Anybody have a vivid imagination? 
Now, doesn't that give you reason to do more than just wish? Doesn't that give you reason to do more than just want? No, it should give you a reason to expect. Amen? Expect. Hallelujah. Now, with this in mind, wouldn't you agree that to truly believe is also to expect? Amen. If believing is a firm persuasion, then Bible believing would be synonymous with expect. I believe, and if I really believe, then I'm expecting something. I don't, I don't go before the Lord and say, uh, thus and so, amen, and then walk away wondering if anything's going to happen. Amen does not mean the end. Amen means so be it. Amen, so be it, I expect. But what if it doesn't happen before dark? Lots of things don't happen before dark. I just keep expecting. I just keep moving forward, praise God, believing, expecting, and praising in advance. Don't ever forget the praising in advance because that's one of the greatest expressions of faith. When you can praise God in advance before you ever see anything happen, that's one of the greatest expressions of your faith. Amen. So to believe is to expect. W.E. Vine says that to expect is to have a readiness to receive. To expect is to have a readiness to receive. He also stated that when a person is expecting, they are absorbed in what they believe until the fulfillment of it is realized. They are absorbed in it. And the word absorbed means to be completely engrossed and giving no place for doubt. Amen. To be completely engrossed and giving no place or no room for doubt. Amen. Now, you may not be that way right now, but you can get that way. Amen. 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 You can get that way. I didn't, I didn't get that way overnight. I didn't get that way in a matter of a few weeks, but I am there now. Praise God. Hallelujah. When, when I, when I'm believing God for something, I'm engrossed in it. I am absorbed by it. That's all I think. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm counting on. That's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm praising God in advance for. Hallelujah. Amen. And I can't be talked out of it. I said, I can't be talked out of it. Amen. Now I wish I could say that applying this principle has caused me to receive everything God has promised me. And I received it in less than 24 hours. No, some things have taken years to manifest, but I stayed on track. Amen. I, I, I kept my eyes on him and on his word. And if there were moments when I began to waver, then I'd run back to the word, praise God. Go listen to some faith building message, hallelujah, that would, that would stir me up. Amen. And get me back on target, praise God. And then just determine that quit is not an option. Hallelujah. 
How many times have you heard me say that? Quitting is not an option. Amen. So, absorb means to be completely engrossed and giving no room, no place for doubt. Now, I ask you again, how many of you are truly expecting a successful new year? Now that you understand what expectancy really is, there's a verse in the Bible that implies that our expectations should come from God. Go to Psalm 62 for a moment. Psalm 62. Our expectations should come from God. And if they come from God, then obviously they, they would come from his, from his word as well. That's how we know God, through his word, through fellowship with him. That's, what we, that's how we know his will. That's how we know his character, his, nat- his nature. His likes, his dislikes. Notice Psalm 62, verse five. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. My expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now, when your expectations are coming from him and from his word, and you could say either the rhema or the logos, when, when your expectations are coming from a specific word that God has spoken to you or a written word that you've discovered in, his, in the book, in the Bible. Either way, when, when you have heard what he had to say and what he wants to do in your life and what he wants you to experience in your life, then your expectation has come from him. And the latter part of the next verse says, and I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. When your expectation is coming from God and his word, then the next thing that come out of your mouth is, and I shall not be moved. See, I'm expecting, I'm expecting my 2024 to be a year of progression and I shall not be moved. I'm expecting my 2024 to be a year of what? Achievement. Promotion, my greatest and highest expectation to be fulfilled, and add this, and I shall not be moved. Take those two scriptures home with you tonight. <laughs> Meditate on them. Confess them before you go to bed. Get up in the morning confessing them. My expectation of 2024, a year of progression, a year of advancement, a year of promotion. My highest expectations shall be fulfilled and I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. That's important. I shall not be moved. Now, you know, the, Jesus said in the fourth chapter of Mark that once the word is sown, Satan cometh immediately to steal it. But if you already know that, then you know that he's coming, but you've already made the decision. I shall not be moved. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I shall not be moved. My expectation has come from him and I shall not be moved. And one last time said with some boldness, I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. The message translation says, 
Everything I hope for comes from him. The Good News Bible says, I depend on God alone. My hope is in him. And the New Century Version says, I find rest in God. Only he gives me hope. I find rest in God. Only he gives me hope. Can you say amen? Amen. And real Bible hope. Let me give you a definition for real Bible hope. It is a favorable and confident expectation. A favorable and confident expectation. A happy anticipation of something good. Hallelujah. I believe that's where Oral Roberts got the phrase. Something good is going to happen to you. Amen. Is this helping you? Is it stirring you up? Praise God. All right, I'm doing my job. So once again, the Holy Spirit has told us that in 2024, a time of progression, advancement, promotion, our highest expectations being fulfilled. That's what we should be be believing for. And that's what we should be demonstrate an expectancy of a happy anticipation for. If you are truly expecting it, I said, if you're truly expecting it, how many of you are truly expecting it, then go ahead and give God a shout in advance. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Psalm 65. Just a couple of Psalms forward. Psalm 65. And look at verse 11. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. The word fatness here means in the Hebrew, uh, prosperity. Your paths drop or your paths are full of prosperity. You crown the year with goodness. Now, don't, don't take that as meaning that this was a one-time event in David's life. No, this is the nature of God being expressed. The nature of God is goodness. God is good. Amen. God is good. God is good to all. Amen. And notice here, I believe what, what this says to us is this is what God wants to do for his people every year. He wants to crown our year with goodness. Not just one time in our lives, but every year of our lives because that's his nature. Amen? His nature. God can't help himself. He's just good. He's never bad. (laughs) Amen? He's just good. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I've I've been following him so long, I'm I'm beginning to act like, I I just do good things all the time. (laughs) Huh? God's nature is good. He's good all the time. So this is not to be taken as something that David only experienced one year or God's people experienced one year. They could have had every year like this if they believed and they expected. Amen? So if God wants to crown the year, our year with his goodness, then go ahead and lift your hands and say, I receive it, praise God. And now say, and I'm expecting it. it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now, goodness means kindness, generosity, favor shown, benefits bestowed. That's what a year being crowned with his goodness involves. Kindness, generosity, favor shown, and benefits bestowed. Another translation says, you crown the year with your bounty. And in the literal Hebrew, the word bounty is translated blessings. You crown the year with your blessings. How many of you like blessings? Blessings, blessings, blessings. He crowns the year with his blessings. Hallelujah. And blessings are those things that produce prosperity. Amen. So God wants to crown your year with everything that will produce prosperity. That sounds like to me that would include progression, advancement, promotion. Amen. God wants to crown our year. Now, the word crown means that God completed or finished or brought to fruition the year with his goodness. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that, that Satan took the year off and he'll never attack you during the year. He never takes time off. You have to force it on him. Resist him and he will flee. Amen. But when you, when you look back, tomorrow begins 2024. When you look back one year from tomorrow, God wants you to be able to say, he was good to me. He crowned my year with his goodness. He bestowed his favor on me. And even though Satan tried to stop me, even though Satan attacked one time after another, God saw to it that I did not fail. God saw to it that I was blessed. God saw to it I was highly favored. God saw to it that his blessings, uh, he showered me with his blessings. Hallelujah. I want to be able to say that my God is a good God and he's good all the time. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. You could say it this way. My year culminated with the goodness of God every step of the way. Hallelujah. I saw his favor in ways I'd never experienced before. I saw his generosity in ways I'd never experienced before. I saw his kindness in ways I'd never experienced before. I saw his goodness in ways I'd never experienced before. I will say unto the Lord, he's a good God. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He has crowned my year with his goodness. Hallelujah. I did experience promotion. I did experience progression. I did experience advancement. I did experience my highest expectation being fulfilled. I'm already seeing it now, and I'm going to shout about it again day after day after day after day. And by the end of the year, I'll be able to say, God was good to Jerry Savelle. 
God was good to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Another meaning that I found for the word crowned, it means to encircle and to surround. It means to encircle and to surround. And the moment I read that, I immediately thought of this verse, Psalm 512. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him, circle and surround him as with a shield. When God crowns your year, he does so by encircling you and surrounding you with his favor. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, because you've heard me teach it time and time and again, what favor is capable of producing. The Passion Translation says, your favor wraps around and covers them. Amen. Wraps around and covers them. Hallelujah. Don't you love the thought of knowing that you are constantly surrounded by God's favor? That alone guarantees you a successful year. Now, I've laid a foundation here. Now I want to talk about this, these principles of decision, decree. Decision, decree, and disperse. Now, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. We all know that life is full of choices. You're making choices every moment of the day. I wonder how many, somebody, I read one time, somebody figured out how many choices we make in a period of 24 hours. It must have been how many choices they made. They couldn't figure that out for everybody, but it was a ton. I mean, you, you, made, a, you made a choice to get up this morning. You made a choice to, to shower, bathe, whatever. You made a choice to get dressed. You made a choice to come to church. You're making a choice to listen to me. Amen. Or not. Our entire existence is based on choices. Now, how many of you can say during your lifetime, you've made a few bad choices? Now, the rest of them, I'm going to cast out lying devils here in a minute. I've made a few bad choices. I almost married the wrong woman. Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving me. (laughs) I'd hate to think what my life would have been with her. But it was close. It was close. But then Carolyn came back into my life, okay? And I, I made the decision to marry the right one. Hallelujah. Amen. So, you know, I've made a few bad choices, decisions, most of them were before I was born again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I've, I've done better over the years. But choices have consequences. Good or bad. Now notice what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth 
to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. Notice, it's our choice. You mean I can choose to be blessed? That's what the book says. I choose to be blessed. Notice, I said before you, life and death, you mean I can choose to live? That's what the book says. Amen. When I first began learning these principles, I heard Kenneth Hagin say one time, back in those early days, that with long life, he will satisfy me. If you ever hear I'm gone, it's because I got satisfied. And I said, that's good. I'm going to say that. And I've been saying it all these years. With long life, he satisfies me. Yes. Amen. Amen. And if you ever hear I'm gone, it's because I got satisfied. Amen. But I'm not satisfied yet. Amen. I still got some living to do. Yes. Yes. I've, I began confessing back there in the early days that, that I would live, I would outlive my ancestors. I've already outlived my dad. He was like 72 when he passed away. I've already outlived him. Mom was about 82, 82 when she passed away. Well, I'm, I'm approaching that, you know, and uh, I plan to outlive them. Yes. That is if the Lord hasn't already returned because yes. I'm going out on the first load. When, when, when he comes, I'm going out on the first load. I might say, don't you believe we're going through the tribulation? No, I don't. This is all the tribulation I'm going to see. <laughs> I'm going out on the first low. So notice here, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day. I have set before you life. Look at it like this. Life, death, blessing, cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So God gives us the choice. He gives us the choice. I choose to be blessed and not cursed. The Bible says the curse does not come without a reason, a cause, a cause. The curse cometh not without cause. So in other words, it's your actions, your behavior that would open the door for the curse. But if you shut those doors that are bringing the curse into your life, then praise God, you can enjoy the blessings. Amen. I could say a lot more about that, but... Uh, won't take the time. But you have the right to choose life. You have the right. Amen. This may startle you, startle you a little bit. You have the right to choose whether your 2024 is going to be a year of progression, advancement, and promotion. I choose. I choose that for my life. Amen. And that's how my life is going to be in 2024. You say, well, what if the Lord comes back in 2024? 
Hey, I call that progression. I call that advancement. I call that promotion. I'm open for that. Anybody else open for that? That would be the ultimate promotion. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to sit around and let the devil take me out. I choose life. I choose the blessing. You can choose life or death. You can choose blessings or cursings. God gives you the right to make the choice. Joshua made this statement later in Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, if you want to serve other gods, then go for it. If you choose the Lord God, then do so, but do so with a commitment is what he's saying. Amen. And if you keep reading it, the, the implication is God will not accept a divided heart. He doesn't want you living one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. He, he wants you all the way. All the way. Amen. So it's your choice. Amen. You can seek God and his kingdom or you refuse to. And he promises that if you seek him and his kingdom, then all these things will be added unto you. The material necessities of life will be added to your life. But that's a choice you have to make. I can't make it for you. I can, I can tell you how important it is. I can tell you the benefits of it. I can live a life in front of you, showing you that God honors it. Amen. Amen. But I can't make you do it. I can't make the choice for you. And you can't make any choices for me. So choose you this day whom you serve. Now, it was their choice. Solomon tells us about the consequences of making the wrong choice. Proverbs chapter one, verse 29 through 31 from the Amplified Bible says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the reverent and worshipful fear of God, they would not accept none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be saturated with their own devices. So notice wrong choices brought consequences. They rejected knowledge. They, they walked away or turned their back on God, turned their back on his counsel. Now listen how the message says it. You've made your own bed, now lie in it. You wanted your own way. How do you like it now? Amen. You, you made your own way. You wanted your own way. Now, how do you like it? Don't you see what happens? You simpletons, you idiots. I didn't say that. It's, it, it's, the, it's the message said that. Don't throw rocks at me. It's... Carelessness kills, complacency is murder. 
Well, wrong choices have consequences, but so do right choices. Wrong choices, negative consequences, right choices, positive consequences. Can you say amen? Amen. I can't help but think of this. Uh, You've heard me say it before, but it's worthy of repeating right now. Years ago, when we had just left Brother Copeland's ministry, launched out into this ministry, and and, uh, this was around 1973, 74, and I'm preaching in Southern California. And these businessmen invited me to have lunch with them. They were very successful businessmen, very prosperous businessmen. And they said, if you will move to Southern California, we will purchase land, build the building, and turn it over to you if you'll be our pastor. And they wanted to do it in uh, Newport Beach. Who wouldn't want to live in Newport Beach? I said, well, I'll have to pray about that because I'd never thought about being a pastor. I knew I was going to be a mobile traveling ministry. So came home and prayed about it. I said, Lord, what about that? He said, well, if you want your ministry controlled by three successful businessmen, go ahead and do it. I said, I don't want to be controlled by three successful businessmen. He said, then tell them no. Thank, tell them thank you, but no. So I did. I turned it down. Now, years later, I'm preaching this. Jerry Ann's always wanted to live in California. And she heard me preach it. She'd never heard the story before. She said, Daddy, wait a minute. You mean to tell me we could have been living in Newport Beach all this time and you chose Crowley? I think I made the right choice. Amen. I think I made the right choice. Now, when we started out here, I mean, there was such a spirit of poverty on this area out here. Of course, none of these houses were here. When Carol and I first bought out here, we bought a little small farmhouse, had about less than 1,200 square feet, just a little wood frame house built in 1946. Started with five acres. And, and even uh, uh, the post office, we eventually became their largest customer. And, uh, and sometimes when the uh, delivery trucks would try to find us, they'd have to stop in town at a gas station. Anybody know where Jerrysville Ministries is? And they'd say, well, because there's no houses out here then. Our closest neighbor is about three or four or five miles away, you know, and, and they'd say, one guy told us, a UPS driver told us one time, said, I stopped at a station and asked how to get to your ministry. And the guy just said, just drive out here a little ways and they own it all. You, you, you come up on it. <laughs> I thought, praise God. But I believe now, see, there's manufacturers out here. There's, there's businesses out here. All this growth that's taking place. 
Brother Savell, you don't mean to think. You don't mean to tell me you're responsible for all this? Yes. <laughs> Part of it. Part of it. Because I asked the Lord, I said, why do you want me in Crowley? There's a poverty spirit here. He just simply said, duh. <laughs> what do you preach, son? Prosperity. Preach it. Amen. Now, I'm not, I'm not laying claim to all of the progress, but I've had a part in it. Hallelujah. We're not done yet. Hallelujah. Amen. So being in the perfect will of God, which I know I am, was a result of making a right choice. Amen. Now, if it was left up to me and if we didn't even consider the will of God, yeah, I probably would have moved somewhere else. But I want to be in the perfect will of God. Anybody else want to be in the perfect will of God? And since we've been here, God has brought blessings to us. God has favored us. God has done tremendous things in our life and ministry. Amen. So notice here, wrong choices produce negative results. Right choices produce positive results. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is you have to make a choice about 2024. Are you going to remain as you are? Are you going to progress? Will you remain as you are? Even though where you are right now might be good, but God is a progressive God. He never regresses. He's always taking you to another level. Amen. Amen. Always taking you to another level. So even though we're coming off one of the finest years we have ever had, 2023, I mean, it's been amazing. It's been an astounding year for Jerusalem Ministries International and Heritage of Faith. We've been able to sow more than we ever have before in any previous year. And that's, that's one of the things that Carol and I live for is being able to, to be a blessing. Hallelujah. And it hadn't hurt us. Hasn't hurt us. It's, it's put us in position to experience more. Glory to God. But I don't want to stay where I am right now. I want to progress. I want to advance. I want to go to another level. Hallelujah. Because I, I, have, I have things I'm believing for in 2024. And it's going to take more to acquire them, praise God. It's going to take progression, advancement, and promotion. Hallelujah. So, I'm believing, and I'm asking you to join with me. I'm believing that our 2024 will be crowned with God's goodness. It'll be a year that we are surrounded by his favor. A year in which his blessings are continually manifesting in our behalf. And a year in which we experience progression, advancement, and promotion, and our highest expectations being fulfilled. If the people in the Bible were given choices, then so have we been given choices. Amen. Amen. Now go to me through the book of Job. Job chapter 22. Verse 
verse 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing. Notice, thou shalt also decree a thing. The first thing you have to do is decide. Decide whether what God says, you are entitled to it. Decide that that's the way it's going to be in your life. Then you also shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. Now, the Amplified Bible says it exactly the way I just said it. You will also decide and decree a thing. Put it up there so they'll know I'm not making this up to fit my sermon. The Amplified Bible says, you shall also decide and decree a thing. Decision comes first before the talking, before the decreeing, before the confessing. Thou shalt also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. Hallelujah. So notice once again, first we decide and then we decree. Say it with me. First I decide and then I decree. Say it again. First I decide and then I decree. Look at somebody and tell them, first you decide and then you decree. Amen. The best decisions that you make should always be based on what you know is to be the will of God. What you find in God's word should always be the foundation for every decision. With what I've shared with you up to now, I've endeavored to make it perfectly clear that God wants your 2024 to be a successful year. Does anybody accept that? Now, it's time for you to make a decision. I've already decided. Some of you have already decided, but I'm not sure that all of you have. So it's time for you. We, we, got, we got less than 24 hours left before we move into 2024. It'd be a good thing for you to decide now on December the 31st that 2024, starting tomorrow, is gonna be your year for promotion, advancement, and, and progression, praise God. So lift your hands right now and make this decision. In the name of Jesus, I'm deciding right now, December the 31st, 2023, at approximately 11.24 a.m. Sunday morning, that my 2024, which begins tomorrow, is going to be a year a progression, advancement, promotion. God will crown my year with his goodness. I will be surrounded by his favor and his blessings will be outpoured upon me. That's how my year is going to be. And I praise God in advance for it. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now that we have made a decision and we also just decreed it, there's only one thing left. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 13, I believed and therefore have I spoken. So we have believed and we have spoken. That's what decreeing is all about, speaking what God says. The message translation says for 2 Corinthians 4, 13, we're not keeping this quiet. Yeah. 
we say what we believe. We're not keeping this quiet. We say what we believe. The Passion Translation says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So look at somebody once again and say, I believed, and now I'm speaking in faith. So we're almost there, praise God. You didn't have to say that part. Now, the last part of the three principles is disperse. Now, another word for disperse is distribute. Another word for distribute is sow. So, amen. Decide, decree, disperse. Decide, decree, and disperse. Amen. To disperse means to distribute or to sow, and it's the Bible way to acquire that which you desire. Amen. It's the Bible way to acquire that which you desire. As you know, in the Bible, our money, our finances are considered seed. Amen. And every seed, even a small seed, sown in fertile soil is capable of producing immeasurable results. Many years ago, as I was being interviewed on a, a global television network, the host asked me, what is the greatest spiritual law you have ever learned? I didn't hesitate. I said, the law of seed time and harvest. The law of seed time and harvest. It's the greatest law I've ever learned. And I have been applying it now for almost 55 years, and it has been working for me for 55 years. We sowed our way. Caroline sowed our way out of lack. We sowed our way into abundance. We look up for opportunities to sow. And every year when I receive the prophetic word for the new year, one of the first things I do is I sow toward the fulfillment of it immediately. Amen. And once I've done that, then Satan can never get me to back off what I'm believing and what I'm expecting. Why? Because I'm applying Bible principles. Jerry Savelle didn't make this up. I got it from God's word. Decision, decree, decide, dis- decree, and disperse or sow. Say it with me. Decide, decide. Decree, decree, and disperse. disperse. That's the winning combination that will cause your 2024 to be a very, very successful year. Amen. Now, in closing, Pastor Justin asked me some time back if I would consider doing a meeting in January here uh, that he wanted to refer to it as first things first. First things first. And I I felt impressed the Lord to, to answer yes. I'd be happy to. And so... We start this on Sunday, what's the date? 21st. The 20, 21st. 21st. And I'll be doing the morning service, and then we will start the First Things First conference that will go through Wednesday, Wednesday night, and I'll do Monday and Tuesday, uh, Sunday and Monday, and he'll do Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay? Now, what I want you to do between now and then I want you to be praying about a first things first seed. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 A first things first seed. 
that you sow toward the fulfillment of this prophetic word. Amen. Amen. It, it's, it's over and above your, your normal tithes and offerings that you do on Sunday morning. This is a seed that is directed toward the fulfillment of this prophetic word. Everybody understand? So I want you to be praying between now and January the 21st on Sunday night as we start First Things First conference. That during that evening service, we will receive and lay hands on everybody your first things first seed for the fulfillment of the prophetic word for 2024. Amen. Amen. Thank you for all the excitement over that. This is the way I do every year. It's the way I live every year. Amen. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm planned to sow into this, but I've already got some other seed set aside that I will start sowing tomorrow. The first, first things first, the first day of the new year, I will be sowing seed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to continue to sow throughout the year because I'm expecting some big things in 2024. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as they come to pass, I'm going to share them with you. And you're going to rejoice with me. And I want you, as they come to pass in your life, share them with the church, share them with pastors so that we can communicate them with other people here in the church so that it will be a faith builder for them, praise God. Inspire their faith. Can you say amen? Amen. So look at your neighbor and tell them this. January the 21st, 21st. put it on your calendar. calendar. Be here here. Sunday night night. for a first things first conference conference. and bring with you the seed seed that God spoke to you about that you will sow sow toward the fulfillment fulfillment of the prophetic word word for 2024 2024. in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Now tap them on the shoulder and say, and don't forget. forget. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout if you receive this this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah.